Olá, meus amigos. Tudo bem com vocês? That's some Portuguese for you guys, because soon the Edification Station podcast will also be available in Spanish and in Portuguese. I'm not sure when French will be ready yet, but that is in the works as well. I'm actually practicing these episodes in French, but it's not quite up to par yet. So that's something to look forward to as well. How's everybody doing during this coronavirus incident that we are having? Not incident, really. It's more like an ongoing thing that we're all sort of figuring out together. There's never been anything like this in history before because it's such a global issue. It's so interesting because it's affecting everybody. It doesn't matter if you're rich or if you're poor or what country you're from, pretty much. But uh, just today I heard it's in 142 countries, so that's most of the countries on the planet. And, you know, it's just really fascinating me how all of us are coming together in our simple humanity. Like I said, it's affecting people from every kind of background. And so I think all of us would agree that particularly in the United States in the last couple of years, There have been, there's been a lot of division between different groups of people, ideologically, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm really, really encouraged by the way that so many people from what, so many people who had opposing viewpoints on things are just putting everything aside and reaching out to help other people. So I just wanted to take a second and encourage you guys to continue doing that. I mean, it's kind of scary in some ways about what's going on we don't know what to expect some of us may know people who are sick some of us may not but you know what ultimately we as christians and if you're not a christian i just want to share with you some hope that we have we believe that god is ultimately in control and he's not just letting the world spiral into despair and into chaos without paying any attention to it but actually You know, a lot of times when we think that all is lost, he's testing us. He's allowing our faith to be proven and to show us where we're willing to draw the line. And he, we often end up seeing our unbelief in difficult circumstances, and it points us back to God. And during this time of uncertainty, with many of us not being able to work, I just want to encourage you to reach out to your friends, reach out to your loved ones, see how they're doing, encourage them, share with them how you're doing, and I really think it'll be cathartic. I really think that this is a good time to strengthen our relationships. And, you know, I've actually been benefiting in some ways, as I'm sure many of you have, in the sense that I'm able to spend a little bit more time with my family, and I'm able to connect with friends a little bit differently than I normally can. And I was just talking the other day with two of my very close friends in Brazil, Davi and Guilherme. Saudades de vocês, caras. <laughs> I was telling them I miss them. And, you know, over there, and also a friend in Peru, um, they're all telling me that in South America, things are pretty intense with the quarantines and things they've got going on. So enjoy the The fact that you're reminded during this time of what you have to be grateful for, what you can thank God for, and reflect. 
Make sure that you're taking time to think about what matters most to you and reevaluate your priorities. I think most people are really coming to grips with the fact that they had been prioritizing some things that really didn't matter so much. And it's awesome to see how many people are focusing on what needs to be in the forefront of their minds. You know, they're getting healthier. They're spending time developing their relationships. They're finally getting around to those hobbies that have been eluding them for quite a while. And that's exciting. You know, I I don't think the world will be the same after this COVID-19 issue that we're dealing with. It's just like 9-11. Everything changed after that. And life will never be the same because of the impact of these events. So anyway, that's just my two cents on all this COVID-19 stuff. But you know what? I've been thinking a lot recently. And like I said, I've been reflecting on my priorities. I've been reflecting on my life. Uh, Just tonight, I had a really cool experience where I was listening to the Coldplay album Ghost Stories, which I hadn't heard in a while. And it's actually a really special album to me because I remember listening to it when I spent a summer in France. And I have really, really good memories of that. But it, it made me quite pensive, actually. And it was perfect because this message that I have for you today is something that I think every single person listening will be able to relate to. It's just because, like I was saying earlier, we all are linked in our simple humanity. Just like something simple like listening to that Coldplay album can really make us thoughtful and really grateful for some wonderful memories that we have. We can also think about what we are placing our hope in ultimately because, for example, I live in a place that is very safe, statistically speaking, and in other ways as well. And I'm fortunate to have food and water and a generator and all these things that many other people don't have as much of or, or for example, in the generator, maybe they don't even have that. And so I feel pretty comfortable where I am. And generally in life, my life isn't super difficult as far as the lower echelons of Maslow's hierarchy of needs are concerned. But, you know, I've been thinking about this theme of complacency recently in light of what everybody's going through with this COVID-19 stuff. And for a little bit, I was not really too affected by it until just before this past weekend. It's currently the night of Sunday, March 22nd, 2020. And a couple days ago, I decided that I was going to stay home as much as possible, you know, the whole social distancing thing, and that I was going to choose not to go into work for both of my jobs. And that was actually kind of a big choice for me. I I really like both of my jobs. I, I work in education right now, as well as in food service. And so you know, I've just had a little bit more time to think about what matters most to me. Where do I want my life to go? What am I planning for? What am I ultimately placing stock in? Is it is it really my physical supplies that I have here and where I live? Uh, these, these advantages, if you will, 
that I'm placing my biggest, the bulk of my trust in for how well my life can go right now? Or am I really focusing on the fact that I believe God will protect me and God will, God will provide for me is what I'm trying to say. And ultimately this thought process led me to the question that I believe the Holy Spirit put in my mind and on my heart, which is what I'm getting to right now for the purpose of this message, which is, are you okay with Jesus coming back during your lifetime? Now, Christians believe that Jesus will come back a second time to make all things new and to exact justice upon the world and to just recreate everything in a beautiful way. There's a lot more to it than that, but that's the gist of it. We look forward to that moment. At least we say that we do. You know, the three C's, the fundamental tenets of Christianity, no matter what denomination you're from, are Christ, cross, and coming again. Believing that Christ is the Messiah, he's the Son of God. He came and he died on the cross for our sins, and ultimately he's coming again to take us to heaven. And we say that we believe that that is our greatest hope. We sing about it at church. We talk about it. But I don't know about you, but for me, it's often something that I struggle with actually looking forward to. Because I like my life here on earth. I'm pretty young still. I'm only 30 years old. I'm not married. I don't have any kids. There are a lot of things on my bucket list that I've checked off, but there are a lot more that I would like to check off still in the course of my lifetime. And no matter what part of your life you're in right now, you can relate to that, that there are things you want to experience. There are things you want to do before you die. And the question is, are you okay with Jesus coming back before you've done all those things? It's a really serious question, man. If you say that you're a Christian, and I'm speaking to myself, you guys, even more than I'm speaking to you right now, because this is something that I've been challenged with in a very deep way, particularly in the last couple of weeks when I've been thinking about complacency. And seriously, are we okay with Jesus coming back before we get to experience those things? Titus, there's a book in the New Testament called Titus, and there's a verse in there that calls the second coming our blessed hope. I would argue that for myself, much of the time, though I profess to be a Christian, the thought of Jesus coming back before I get to experience many of the things I would like to experience is not a blessed hope. It's frankly an inconvenience. And that thought has been blowing my mind recently because it's so ironic. How can I say that I'm truly a follower of Christ and that I'm truly committed to him if I don't even want him to come back? (laughs) I mean, like, really? I'm sure many of you listening can relate to that. No matter, like I said, what age you find yourself in at this time that you're listening to this. But this is what I want you to think about. What you long for most shows where your treasure really is. And are you so content and comfortable with your life here on earth that you don't want Jesus to come because you don't feel your need for him to come because you're good how you are right now? We don't want him to come back because we don't believe that eternal life will be better than the good, 
nice and exciting things we hope to experience in this life. We don't think the relationships in heaven will be better and more meaningful than the ones we have now. C.S. Lewis, the famous Christian author, says that every good thing on this earth is just a shadow of the true thing that God has made. The beauty that we see and experience here on earth is only a broken form of how God intended for it to be. Here's another question for you that I think I'll unpack more in another episode. What would it be like to be face-to-face with God? I'm not talking just FaceTime (laughs) or any other, like a Skype caller. A lot of you guys are using Zoom right now for work. I'm talking about face-to-face. Is that something that you even want? Frankly, for me, it's not something that I prioritize or desire. I'm being totally honest with you. As much as I should for how much faith I say that I have or that I tell myself that I have. These are serious questions, you guys. we got to think about these things. Complacency kills us. Comfort makes us complacent. When we don't feel like we need anything from God, when we feel like we're good to go, and therefore we don't really need to pray, we don't really need encouragement from the Bible or direction, then we can definitely say that in those times, we are putting our treasures on earth and not storing them up in heaven. We're not looking for that blessed hope. So I want to encourage you today to take stock of what you value most to determine for yourself how comfortable you really are. Complacency brings our focus down to this life, and it's only challenged when we have trouble. That's why a lot of people right now are open to God because they're finding that they're in trouble. They're being challenged. The pain of loss, failure, regret, illness, betrayal, and despair Remind us of our frailty and utter smallness amidst the grandeur of the universe. In these moments, we recognize our need for our Creator. They awaken within us a desire for a world at peace. How can we know if we're too content with how things are? Like I said, when we're comfortable and complacent, this world looks good to us. Our interest in heaven is distant and far removed because we don't need it anytime soon. We just push it off into the future. Like, yeah, when I'm old and I've got, you know, when I'm whatever age, when I've checked off all those things from my bucket list, if Jesus wants to come then, sure, he can come. I'll be good with that, I guess. But, you know, it's just way off in the future right now, so I'm not really thinking about it. I can tell you what, guys, James tells us not to place much stock in tomorrow because time is not guaranteed for us. He says in chapter 4, verses 13 to 17, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. 
So what can we do if we are too comfortable or if we are complacent? Well, Paul tells us we need to elevate our thoughts and to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We find that in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. If you don't know the order of the books of the Bible, I suggest that you learn that. It makes it a lot faster to find what you're looking for. That passage says to us, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And in verse 4 as well, When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. 1 John 2, 15 and 17 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. It's okay to enjoy life on earth. God intended for us to enjoy life on earth. He intended for it to be good. It used to be perfect until sin destroyed it. But John is warning us about loving the world more than we long for the new earth after Christ makes all things new. To be in the world but not of it means to be looking for the blessed hope that Titus speaks of. By the way, that passage is Titus 2, 11-15. When you're looking for the blessed hope of Christ's return, you don't worry like you do when you're good enough in your own estimation. You know in whom you have believed. In Matthew 6, verses 25 to 34, Jesus has an incredible passage from the Sermon on the Mount asking us why we worry about things and reminding us that our Heavenly Father will provide everything for us that we need. When you're looking for the blessed hope of Christ's soon return, you're confident that the Holy Spirit is working on your character to make you more like Jesus. If you're more like Jesus, you'll naturally want to be with Him more. Philippians 1.6 says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has began a work, a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. When you're looking for the blessed hope of Christ's return, you have endurance to run the race of faith in this life. The Christian life doesn't seem like a drag. It doesn't seem boring. It doesn't seem like we can't wait for it to end. Because that hope that we have in Christ's return lifts us up out of our circumstances and encourages us. It energizes us. When you're looking for the blessed hope of Christ's soon return, you're content with the blessings God has given you. When you're looking for the blessed hope of Christ's return, you willingly and gladly exchange the burden of your self-righteousness and self-sufficiency for Christ's righteousness and find Him to be more than enough for your every need. You realize that even on your best day, you're not enough. When you're looking for the blessed hope of Christ's soon return, you find peace in knowing that God is a just judge and he will one day make all things right. When you're looking for the blessed hope of Christ's soon return, you look forward to worshiping God forever and ever, and it doesn't seem boring or monotonous or something to dread. You realize you will be learning throughout eternity about the infinite wisdom of God and his tender care for you. 
You'll see his creativity and expand every horizon of your mind. When you're looking for the blessed hope of Christ's return, you see clearly that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You see clearly that you don't get to make yourself an exception to God's grace because of your mistakes. This life should be transient, not permanent. C.S. Lewis said in Mere Christianity, Book 3, Chapter 10, If we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. Many of us are trying to quench that desire, to fulfill that desire for something meaningful and satisfying with something that is not eternal. That's something that cannot last forever. With something that's not from God. And I like C.S. Lewis a lot, so I'm going to share with you a little bit about the Chronicles of Narnia, specifically the last battle, because I think allegories and stories are super powerful. C.S. Lewis describes a scene at the end where the main characters, a group of humans and noble talking animals, cross over from the corrupted Narnian world they'd always known to the bigger, brighter, and real Narnia. It represents how this world is only a shadow of the good that is to come when sin is no more. The best things we can see and feel and experience in this life are still always imperfect models of what they are when unpolluted of what they are when unpolluted by sin. John 10:10 10, 10 says that the thief comes only to steal, to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And this is from C.S. Lewis and Narnia for Dummies. When the children are t and talking animals arrive in real Narnia, they're all amazed to find it's what they were made for. Jewel the Unicorn exclaims, I have come home at last. This is my real country. I belong here. This is the land I have been looking for all my life, though I never knew it till now. The following sacred qualities apply to those living in real Narnia. Number one, everyone's in the prime of their lives. Number two, everyone's in tip-top physical shape. Whatever ails us here on earth is made new in heaven. Number three, everyone's free from the constraints of time. Number four, everyone's free from the bondage of sin. Sin doesn't exist in heaven, but people aren't automatically turned into robots either. What's different in heaven is the way people look at sin. In heaven, you cannot want wrong things anymore, now that the judgment is passed and everyone's choices are sealed. In other words, people in heaven don't sin because they see sin for what it really is. That sin is, for example, death, pain, and suffering, not a harmless forbidden pleasure. Going back to Mere Christianity, Book 3, Chapter 10, Paragraph 5, for those of you who like citations, C.S. Lewis says, I must keep alive in myself the desire for my true country, which I shall not find till after death. I must make it the main object of life to press on to that other country and to help others to do the same. But at the same time, it is possible for us to become too concerned about what heaven will be like and to spend too much time thinking about the next world instead of carrying out our Christian and civic duties in this world. C.S. Lewis warns against that firmly in Miracles chapter 16, paragraph 31. It is of more importance that for you or me today to refrain from one sneer or to extend one charitable thought to an enemy 
than to know all that angels and archangels know about the mysteries of the new creation. Guys, my appeal to you today is very simple. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. I invite you to keep your mind stayed on God, elevated above every doubt and every care that would seek to interfere with the closeness you have with your Savior, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ until we are finally home, not in this shadow of the good which is to come, but in our true home. If you have any comments or questions about today's message, or if you simply want to share how you can relate to what I was talking about today, please email me at edificationstationpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com.